Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Monsters. I'm Mike. I'm Allison. And today we have another mini-sode for you and a new theme. This theme is going to be on films made by George A. Romero, but more specifically, his zombie trilogy. And we're going to do something a little different this time. Normally, Allison and I alternate asking each other questions. For this theme, Allison is going to ask me all three questions, and then we'll have a future theme where I will be asking Allison all three questions. So without further ado, here's Allison's first question. Okay, this is about Night of the Living Dead, the first one. Uh, Night of the Living Dead has often been discussed for its themes on prejudice and race relations. How do you think the small cast in the farmhouse symbolizes broader society in late 60s USA? What aspects exactly do you think they embody? Yeah, I mean, this film is the one that started it all. I mean, along with Last Man on Earth, we've discussed that film in a previous episode starring Vincent Price, which is basically a film adaptation of Richard Matheson's I Am Legend. George Romero was heavily influenced by Last Man on Earth. And in many ways, this film is really kind of a, I, you know, I don't want to say cheap ripoff, but even Romero admitted it in interviews that it was, you know, it was like his first film, very low budget film. And it was, let's just say, putting it nicely, heavily influenced by Matheson's book and the film adaptation, Last Man on Earth. Now, to give Romero credit, the changes he made in his story really contribute heavily to the creation of the modern zombie mythology which is now probably one of the top, if not the top, monster mythology in America these days. And it's a brand new mythology. I mean, it really has been created uh, in the last 70 or so years, you know, uh, since the 1950s. Now, of course, the year this film came out was 1968. And we all know in the United States history, there were a lot of things going on in 1968, a lot of tumultuous events. Of course, we have the Vietnam War and the Tet Offensive, which happened in February of 1968. We have of the riots at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. And we also have the assassinations of Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy. So not a very good year uh, in American history. And this film has been heavily associated with those events, even though in many interviews, Romero said that he was just trying to make a movie about ghouls, flesh-eating ghouls. The role of Ben, played by Dwayne Jones, was turned out to be a black man, you know, African-American man. And in many interviews, Romero said that there was nothing to that, that they just held auditions and Dwayne Jones came in and he, and this was our hero and our protagonist of the story. And Dwayne Jones was just the best actor. I mean, they didn't have a lot of money to work with. They couldn't hire professional actors and they just gave the role to him because he was the best actor. And it just turns out that he was black. That being said, him being black really does have a huge impact in the film. I think this film would still be considered, you know, one of the first of its kind and everything, but I don't know if it would hit as hard if the role of Ben had been played by a white guy. I just don't know. I mean, it did, the fact that he was black and with all of the stuff that was going on in those days and the assassination of Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement and how this film ends, it's just, I mean, it really cranks it up at least two extra notches that it probably wouldn't have if Ben's character hadn't been played by Dwayne Jones or just some white guy. The other aspect of racism and social class conflict, all of that stuff is in this film. You get the sense that probably Barbara's character is 
the wealthiest, it seems. Uh, perhaps she's upper middle class and her brother who dies pretty early on in the film, Johnny, not rich, but maybe more well-to-do. At the beginning of the film, when they're going to visit their father's grave, uh, you know, he's he comes across as somewhat of a spoiled brat. As far as the Cooper family goes with Harry and Helen, I would say that they're just straight up middle class. I mean, they represent what Nixon referred to as the great silent majority in many of his speeches where he was trying to get middle America to support him and go against the anti-Vietnam protests that were happening at the time. And of course it backfired on Nixon because many of those people had family members in Vietnam or were directly affected by Vietnam and they wound up joining in on the protests. But at the time in 68, um, Nixon hadn't even been elected yet. Lyndon Johnson was still the president. And that middle America, the straight up middle class America was definitely very conservative and somewhat ignorant. You know, I mean, the way that Harry speaks to Ben. I wouldn't say it's racist. I never get the feeling like this movie, it doesn't have straight up racism, but it definitely has prejudice. And uh, Harry is definitely condescending towards Ben. I think he's just kind of a jerk. You know, and most people agree. And once again, Romero said in interviews that, you know, the script was already written before they filled in the cast. And so Harry was already supposed to be a jerk either way, whether he was talking to a black guy or another white guy. And then we get to Tom and Judy, who are probably, they represent more of the working class. And they, of course, are the nicest people in this ensemble. And they're the most agreeable. And Tom especially is really not concerned with any of the bickering. Ben is very bossy. And I don't blame him. He's certainly the smartest out of all of them. And, and he's certainly the one who is most fit to be the leader. But the problem with that is Ben sees Harry as a challenge and the two of them wind up arguing more than trying to solve the problem of just surviving, just getting through the night. And Tom is standing there going like, hey, like, we don't need to fight, you know, we can just make good rational decisions and figure this thing out. So I really feel like if there were more Tom and Judy's in that house, you know, they might have even survived. And on that note, this is a good point to segue into another aspect of this film that I think Romero does a pretty good job with, and that's the difference in generations. I think part of the reason why Tom and Judy are the way they are is because they're the youngest group. They're the young adults. So they obviously represent the baby boomers. And of course, at the time, you know, the hippie movement was, you know, in full force. And not that Tom and Judy are hippies, because they're not, but they definitely have that youth mentality and they're certainly more optimistic and open-minded which in those days young people were a lot more open-minded. I feel like Harry and Helen are certainly the worst of what the silent generation or perhaps the late World War II generation had to offer. You get the feeling that Helen is one of those housewives who's miserable, regrets marrying Harry, and Harry is hates his job and thinks of the good old days, you know, when he was in the army or something like that. So there is that division between the generations. Like I said before, Barbara seems removed from the whole group, mainly because I feel like she's just not all there mentally from the beginning of the film. So it's hard to get a, a grasp as to what her character is really about. And then, of course, Ben seems to be a little bit younger than Harry, but certainly older than Tom. But being African-American, he has a different social status. And so 
So even though he probably is a straight up silent generation guy, I mean, you can see that he's very well educated and he's very smart and um, probably was part of the civil rights movement if we want to really extrapolate his character and sort of imagine what these people would have been like if the zombie apocalypse hadn't taken place. This is a good point to pivot towards how Romero treated the female characters in this story. In many interviews, Romero admitted that he really did a crappy job with these female characters and didn't really offer much depth to them. I think that's already been well documented. The women's movement of the 1970s was still easily six years away. And unfortunately, this time, especially with low budget films, not a lot of thought was given to female characters and giving them much depth. I think Helen comes across pretty well. Like she calls bullshit on Harry a lot. And um, that's effective. I mean, I think her character definitely has the most depth. Of course, Barbara, because she has this out of it sort of headspace from almost the beginning of the film, you can't really figure out what she's about. And then with Judy, I think Judy is the female character who Romero does the poorest job with and really just treats her. She might as well just be a, a child. She just might as well be someone who needs looking after as much as the Cooper's child who's been bitten. Of course, the ending of the film is most shocking because two things happen. Turns out that as much of a jerk as Harry was, he was right about the basement, that that really was the safest spot. Secondly, Ben is the only survivor and we kind of get that feeling at the beginning of the movie that if anyone's going to survive this, is going to be him. Only to be shot by the local cops who, and this is what I want to get to sort of finish Allison's question, is if there's any archetype in this film that represents racism, it would be the cops. It's not that the cops are overtly racist, but just through their actions at the end of the film and the way they just indiscriminately shoot anything that's moving and they decide to, just, oh, there's, there's another one in the house and then they just shoot and it turns out to be Ben, who's not a zombie. And then the way they just carelessly use hooks to move his body onto a huge fire and that's the way our hero slash protagonist is dealt with at the end of the film. That last scene is really what cements this movie with 1968 and I feel like it forever will be remembered and associated with that year. This one was a little bit longer than our usual minisodes, but I think that's because there's a lot to say about this film. Uh, this is this really is a watershed film, and I think in the future we certainly will have a full episode on Night of the Living Dead. We'll be back again tomorrow with another question on the Romero zombie trilogy. Bye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Leave us five stars and a review. Thanks.